Jesus came to heal those also. Not just broken limbs. Not just when you cut yourself. But those deep wounds on the inside that nobody even knows they're there. Church, I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to jump right on into the middle of a series that we began several weeks ago, dealing with the issue of pain, life's pains. This particular teaching, this particular segment, deals with the pain of losses. Now, I want you to know and understand, typically when the preacher mentions losses, the first thing pops into our head is the death of a loved one. But there are so many more losses that we can experience as we go through life, all of them painful. And I'm talking about emotional pain, not just physical pain, but emotional and mental pain. Now, it's fascinating to me how different people react to different pains in different ways. Some act out if you push their buttons or if they experience pain. Some shut down. Some just go numb. They don't know how to feel, and they're just numb. Well, we're going to deal with all of this, and I trust that the Lord would speak to you and help you and encourage you as we go through this teaching. Our text passage for this particular topic is found in 2 Corinthians, but I'm not going to read that right now. I want to read an additional passage that's found in Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse 18. You follow along with me. It's going to appear right there on the screen for your convenience. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Here's what the Word of God says. For the Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus speaking, because He has anointed me to preach good news, to the poor, look at this, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Look at this, to release the oppressed, to release the oppressed. A powerful passage. I trust that the Lord would help us with it tonight as we attempt to teach it. To you. Father God, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast by whatever means, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to their hearts by Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for the beginning of a healing in the life of each one, those who are experiencing pain as a result of some loss in their life. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Exploring with you 
through this series, which is a series that really doesn't look like a series. Practically every message in the series can stand on its own, but I'm exploring with you how we, born again, spirit-filled believers are to deal with our pain. Way back in the very beginning, we uh, spent a lot of time establishing a foundation to determine that we do encounter pain. And it's very important you recognize it and deal with it as opposed to pressing it down. And I'm not going through that whole teaching again at this point. I'm going to be sharing with you three more teachings connected to this subject. The Lord willing, in the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about the pain of relationships. That may not be what you think. We're going to close the series by sharing with you a teaching on the pain of sin. That may not be what you think. Right now, I'm going to conclude the second part of the pain of losses. The pain of losses. Now, it's been a week or so uh, with the interruption, of uh, which was really no interruption. It was just a God thing to have our Gideon speaker here last week. But this message has been divided in half. So we're going to go back and look at a little background. We'll try to catch you up to where we are and then try to make application with the second half this morning. Typically, everybody say typically. When we hear the preacher speak out about our losses, we lean toward hearing some consoling words about a death. By the way, some of our own uh, church family right now is dealing with this very thing. But that being said, the number of other ways that we can experience a loss is pretty staggering. And I went through a lot of detail on that in part one. I'm not going back there. If you didn't get that, I would encourage you to go online, look that up, and uh, take 30 minutes or so of your life to listen to that. I believe it would help you. In effect, we said every time we transition from one chapter or one season of life on to the next season, we have to process the death or the loss of the last season. We gave you a lot of examples about that. I'm not going back there. Obviously, some of those seasons, as we alluded to here in the opening, some of those seasons are more impactful than others. Some losses are more real than others. Stick with me right here. The loss, of, I'm going to be very personal with you, the loss of my status as a senior in high school, as traumatic as that was, the loss of my status as a senior in high school, you have to know that pales in comparison to the loss of my grandmother or even my own mother. They were all a loss, but they were different and different uh, impacted me in different ways. Number one on your study notes, fill this in with me if you would please. Losses can prompt. Prompt is a word that was purposefully chosen. Losses can prompt all sorts of unforeseen and unsuspected mental and emotional distress. That's the underlying current that runs through this whole message. Not physical pain, as we dealt with in health issues, but uh, by and large, mental and emotional distress. I suggested to you last week, I'm still summarizing, I suggested to you there are basically three ways that people respond to loss. First of all, some just shut down. They get in their shell, so to speak. There are others that act out. 
the Pastor Terry version. They act out when, uh, when they experience a loss. There are some that just go numb. They don't know how they feel. They don't know if they're in a shell or blowing. They don't know. They're just numb, what we might call shock. We suggested to you those things happen. We endure those things, but those are not good places to live. How many of you know living in a shell is not a good place to live unless you're a turtle? And he's got to come out to get him some, a sandwich every now and then. Amen? And, and acting out, acting out. I mean, you might act out, and yet sometimes act, acting out just happens. But that's not a good place to live. Do you want to be around people that act out all the time? I know Donna doesn't. <laughs> and just being numb, being in shock. That's a reality. It's not a good place to live. Hopefully, this teaching will help you know how to move on or watch this transition back to at least a semblance of normality. Obviously, with some losses, our lives never return to normal. With some losses. In the case of the loss of a spouse... That spouse that is yet remaining, yet living in this present existence, their life may never go back to a sense of normal. I don't want to belabor that too much. Many believers believe this. Many believers believe that God can restore sight to the blind and God can remove cancer from various organs of their own or their loved ones, but they do not know that God can also restore the chasms that are deepened by mental and emotional losses. I believe Jesus himself spoke to this very issue with his inaugural sermon. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. This is Jesus' inaugural sermon. And he is speaking from the text of Isaiah chapter 61, which puts forth these prophetic words. Look at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me. That's an appointment with power. He has anointed me to preach good news, look at this, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And then lastly, I want to stop right here to release the oppressed, the poor, the prisoners, the oppressed. Watch this. Poor can be considered as a state of loss. Amen? It's a state of loss. Talk to poor people and see if they wouldn't confirm that to you. So is prison. A prisoner certainly experiences on a daily basis a sense of loss. And certainly that is the case with oppression. Now let me go, let me dig a little deeper right here for just a moment. That word oppression is very interesting. In the original, I can't even hardly pronounce it, but it looks like throw-o. Throw-o. Properly, here's what it means. It, it means to break in pieces. Have you ever had anything, any item of yours that shattered and broke to pieces? I think of some uh, vase, as they'd say in other places, a vase, a vase, or, or something made out of clay or something uh, like a dish. You drop it to a piece of glass and it just breaks all to pieces. Can you put that back together again? 
possibly, but you can't get all those little shards. And, and you know that last little piece of glass that remains in the kitchen floor that you will step on three months later. You can't get all that back together again. That's the idea of oppression. It means to shatter. The King James come really close on this because it translates to verse 18, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Bruised. The New American Standard Version uses the word downtrodden. The Amplified just says crushed by tragedy. I love what Mr. Barnes says in his very fine commentary, and I quote, The word bruised here evidently has some general signification as brokenhearted or the contrite, in case you've ever wondered what contrite means. It means those who are pressed down by great calamity or whose hearts are pressed or bruised by the consciousness of sin. End quote. Beloved, indeed, all these calamitous descriptions, poor prisoner, oppression, all that goes along with that, these highlight losses. Jesus' business was not just restoring physical maladies. Did Jesus heal people physically? Oh, yes, indeed, he did. And not only did he, he can. Now, I say that because there are some very wonderful people walking around on the planet, uh, walking on the face of the earth today, and they do not believe that God can heal. I feel so sorry for them. I'm here to tell those folks, God can heal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he can create this body from the dust of the earth, which he did, or from the rib of a man in the case of you female components. And notice I didn't add a third. If God can do that, then beloved, he can heal these bodies. Say amen right there. He does. He isn't, however, just in the business of healing physical maladies. I'm headed to number two on your study notes. And listen, somebody needs to hear this. And I've got a feeling I don't even know who it is. Sometimes the Spirit speaks to me and says, so-and-so needs to hear this. He tells you that stuff? Oh, yeah, you'd be surprised. I might look stupid, but sometimes I listen. Say amen there about the listening part, not that stupid part. Number two on your study notes, the poor, the prisoners, the oppressed represent persons. Watch this. In many cases, that are at war within themselves, struggling with innumerable mental and emotional conflicts. See that guy right there looking inside? How many of you know there are people like that? And to a more or lesser degree, most of us deal with such conflicts. Listen to me. Jesus came to heal those also. Not just broken limbs. Not just when you cut yourself. But those deep wounds on the inside that nobody even knows they're there. But the one that has them. But the one, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows. Jesus came to heal those as well. That's what this particular teaching is all about. And I hope you'll get a hold of this. So watch this. Pasta tea. Is there any way to encounter and endure 
losses and emerge with hope intact? I think you know the answer to that. The answer to that is yes, indeed. Watch this, church. Hope is birthed from losses. Hope is birthed from losses. Well, how so, Pastor T, and and how do we tap into that? How, how, how? By the way, if I am successful with this teaching this morning, when it's all over, you will have some how tucked away, okay? So here we go. For those presently feeling the pressure of a loss, whatever the nature of that loss, listen to this preacher. You do not have to encounter that loss all alone. Now, I understand pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, stand on your own two feet, I did it my way, blah, blah. I understand all that. And the Bible talks about us taking responsibility for our own actions and, and doing our part. But listen, beloved, you can't fight this thing called life on your own. If you're sitting there right now or you're listening to me out there and you're thinking, oh, yes, I can. I'm here to tell you just as nice as I can. No, you can't. Well, I have so far. Well, then you better brace yourself because it's coming. Huh? Now, I know we like to cover it up and powder it up and put that little mask on that's got a smiley face on it, but down inside, that's where I'm de- that's what I'm dealing with this morning. Listen, you don't have to endure those losses alone. That's good news. You don't have to. Even if the world tells, especially if the world tells you that you have to, you do not. Let me take you to the Word of God. Turn with me in your Word of God to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse number 8. This is Old Covenant. God is speaking to Israel, and here's what He said. The Lord Himself goes before you, Israel, and will be with you, Israel. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you imagine God Almighty saying to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you? And maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor Terry, I'm really happy for those Israelites. That's really cool. You know what? Paul spoke this blessing over you in Hebrews chapter 13 in verse number 5. It's in the New Testament as well. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That is for the body of Christ indeed. Beloved, if that was for old hard-headed Israel, can you imagine how much more it is for those who are in the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Listen, I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. Come on, help me out here. Consider this with me. God has a plan for your life. Now, I know somebody's like, I sure hope he don't point to me. <laughs> hey, if I don't get you with the pointer or not, I'm talking to you. God has a plan for your life. If I didn't believe that, I don't think I could be in this business. I don't. I just have to become a professional bluegrass musician or something. <laughs> don't think I could be in this business. I'm that close on that, but you know. You do what the Lord calls you to do. God has a plan for your life. I'm going to pause just a second for you to think on that. You got that? What does God have for your life? 
God has a plan for whose life? Say my life. Sometimes that plan involves seasons of losses. Number three on your study notes is very important. Don't overlook the blessings that are born out of those ordained seasons. Hmm. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, many of you know it. I'm going to read it for you, and it's going to appear on the screen from the Amplified Version. I picked that version on purpose. Look at this, Romans 8, 28. And we know, know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, you've got to know He's deeply concerned about you, causes all things to work together as a plan. For good, for those who, look at this, love God. To those who are called according to His plan and purpose. Now listen, let me see your eyeballs. You are going to have to settle on this issue of whether or not you are called according to His purpose. Whether you are settled on that and you're following after, you're chasing after his purpose and his agenda for your life. If you have, there's a tremendous promise here. Oh my goodness, is there a promise. Please allow me to paraphrase this verse. Will you allow that? I didn't want to presume that upon you. Listen, what Paul is telling the Romans here and telling us is when you purpose to love God, And that means something, by the way. When you purpose to love God and His agenda for your life, and consequently you make a willful decision, not just happenstance, you make a willful decision to act in accordance with God's purpose and calling for your life, then guess what? What we're being told is God will intervene in your life and somehow, I don't think much about the how, but somehow God will cause all the events of your life to work in unison to bring about good results for you. Now understand the prerequisite. This verse does not apply to everybody walking on earth today. It applies to those who have made the decision to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and to pursue His agenda. Okay, this verse is probably one of the most misquoted verses in all of the Bible. It says right here that everything's going to work out for my good. Y'all want to go get a drink? Let me know how that turns out. Felt a spiritual nerve there. Did y'all feel that? (laughs) Well, then, well, let me back up and say this. For the born again, spirit-led, God can and will use even a loss to teach us deep-level truths that might otherwise go undetected. Within that context, a loss will prove to be other than a loss. Now, I said something very similar to this last week. This is not all of it, but I'm going to quote me. Pastor Terry once said, That which initially manifests as a season of loss will prove to be a seed that ultimately sprouts and blooms into a treasured 
gain. When that happens, that loss is not a loss. Are you with me? Does that make sense a little bit? So, Pastor T has taught you that you can and should, and I want to encourage you to use apparent losses as a time of searching. A time of searching. It can look something like this. You can begin to pray, Abba, Father, my Daddy, my Heavenly Father, show me in the midst of this loss, show me about me. Heavenly Father, in the midst of this loss, help me. Folks, we're going to jump in right there. There's a little bit more to this particular segment. We'll look forward to sharing that with you next week. But let me wrap it up tonight by going back to this. When I encounter a loss in my life, when I suffer a loss in my life, does that mean that God has abandoned me? Let me do that again. When I suffer a loss in my life, regardless of the nature of that loss, does that mean that God has abandoned me? Now, I'm speaking to those who are a part of the forever family of God. When I suffer a loss, does it mean that God has abandoned me? Not at all. Not at all. Now, it could mean that we have taken a little detour and we've stepped out of the center of God's will. Sometimes we bring losses upon ourselves. Isn't that true? If we'll be honest with ourselves, we know that. But part of the pain is sometimes when we suffer a loss, we think that we have forsaken God or something to that effect or that God has forsaken us or abandoned us. That may not be true at all. God allows certain things to come into our life. And even when we do goofy things and find ourselves suffering a loss, God has this wonderful way, this merciful, gracious way of reaching into that and bringing some good out of that, turning that bad situation, turning that loss ultimately into a gain. That's what I want you to understand as we go through this particular teaching. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you at all. In fact, He promises us in His Word that He will never, never leave us or forsake us. Never. That's good news. And I trust that you'll take courage with that. Hey, if you're suffering a loss right now, regardless of the nature of that loss, I want to encourage you just to step back and to ask the Lord to search your heart and to show you what that loss is all about. There's a purpose and a plan for it if you are a part of the forever family of God. It's not that God has forsaken you, but it is that you can learn something as you go through that difficult time. That's my prayer for you. In fact, let's pray right now. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all the wonderful benefits that come into our life because of who you are. And I know that even when we walk through those valleys of loss, those times of loss, even then you are with us. In fact, that's why you came, is to bring those who suffer these losses out of that and into a lifestyle of victory. We trust and pray, Lord, that you would encourage those that may be listening tonight that's going through a difficult time, a difficult loss right now. I pray you would restore their joy, help them to know and understand what that loss was all about and how it can bring good into their life or how you can bring it around and bring it about for good. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Well, beloved, before I get out here, let me remind you that New Life does have a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Something for nearly every member of the family on Sunday morning, whether you're a youngin' or a teenager or an adult, there's something going on there. Also, Wednesday night, we call that Family Ministries Night, and I'm telling you, it's a busy time here. If you're looking for some fellowship, some teaching, uh, some worship, Wednesday night might just be what you're looking for. That begins at 7 o'clock. Well, I have to get out of here. My time is completely gone. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back 